You're listening to Movie Fighters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Go to greenlitpodcast.com to learn more. Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and we beat them up. Surely you did that one before. Surely you did ring the bell, Santa. I'm sure I did it on the last one of these that we did, which I believe we did last year, even though the movie came out in 2018. Maybe we did two years ago. You know what you could have done? You you know what you could have said? Is that Santu? Santu. Yeah, we're doing Christmas Chronicles 2 this time. Two Christmas, two Chronicles. It's the follow-up to the movie we watched. I guess we did watch it the year it came out. So it would have been 2018. And we weren't the biggest fans of that movie. Or at least you weren't, Chris. I don't remember anything about it other than like they go to Applebee's. At one point, is I, do, I am I insane or does that happen? There's a restaurant. There's a family restaurant that they do go to. Here's what I remember about the movie. There are these two kids. Right, two kids. They run Dad, away from Dad's home. dead. Dad's dead. They leave home. They're lost. Santa finds them. But in the process, his sleigh gets all screwed up. Gets mm-hmm. damaged. He can't. He can't drive it. And so he's got to figure out how to repair it. So he ends up driving a muscle car. That's an important component. Cool Kurt Russell Santa drives a muscle car. I don't remember that happening. I do not remember that at all. There's a lengthy car chase where he's running from the cops. Then he gets caught and he goes to jail. And he does, and he an Elvis, does a musical number. Does an Elvis song in jail. With the E Street Band, right? That might be right. Yeah, I think you're right. Because Max Matt, Landau was there. I feel like <laughs> everything I remember feels fake. And then I don't really remember what happens after that. But the kids get to go back home and uh, and Santa reveals himself to be Santa. Because there's a lot of like not believing that he's Santa throughout the movie, as I recall. This movie, as I understand it, first of all, new director. We've We've flipped our directors. The original... Christmas Chronicles, directed by Clay Catus, who had a lengthy animation background. He he was an animator on a bunch of stuff. And he directed the Angry Birds movie. Did he was did he have a hand in making minions? Because I I believe that this movie had elves that we were like, oh, those are minions. He did not have anything to do with minions, but I'm sure that was influential. He he had more to do with uh, your Wreck-It Ralphs and your Frozens. He was an animator on those movies. Okay, Matt. Here's what's weird. You, you say that I don't like. I, I didn't like the first movie, and I believe you. 
you, I believe you. You, you. I think you were. You did not like the sort of anti anti traditional spin on Santa that it had, as I recall. Right, like because I wanted I wanted Kurt Russell to be an adventure Santa. I'm sure, and he wasn't. He was just a real crab apple with a magic hat. He was a bit of a crab apple, and he was also just like he was kind of like Boomer Santa. Like he really loved muscle cars and sang Elvis songs. That was kind of his deal. <laughs> Boomer Santa. Oh, on Boomer, on Zoomer, on Xer. Uh, on Millie. You say, you say that, Matt. And I am forced to believe you because I don't remember anything about the first one. But I could tell I could recap in great detail the plot of pretty much any other Christmas movie I've ever seen. I could tell you in detail what happened in The Princess Switch. Yeah. And and I know you love uh what what is it? Uh I always get it mixed up, the title mixed up with that owl movie. Rise of the Guardians. Rise of the Guardians, yeah. Rise of the Guardians. I, I'm I'm not it's not the Owls of Gahul Guardians of whatever that movie's called. Yeah. Different different film. So, Rise of the Guardians, which is not actually a Christmas movie, it's an Easter movie. It's an Easter movie, yeah. But it does prominently feature Santa Claus, and I know how much you loved that. He's a good Santa. Yeah. He's a real good Santa. I I do not think you were mega pleased with the Santa of the Christmas Chronicles, as I recall. Now, this movie, perhaps, will remedy some of that, because it does bring some more traditional Santa elements into the mix. I believe it largely takes place at the North Pole. We have a new director, Chris Columbus, who has a lengthy resume of Christmas films. Yeah, they, they said they said, "Hey, hey, get get out here, animated guy with your with your minions. Uh, we need to bring in the boss dog." Now, honestly, I think he's only directed two Christmas movies. Yeah, but he's a very successful very successful. I actually watched them both recently, uh, Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Uh, Home, Home Alone, a miserable fucking movie. It's not that miserable. They, the, like, Matt, the first thing that happens in that movie is that, like, a kid gets told, like, you little piece of shit, yeah. I hate you. Yeah, and and his mom, none, nobody else in his fucking family, but his mom, at least, has to learn <laughs> to actually appreciate her son. Yeah, nobody else in his family. His, his terrible uncle is still terrible in the second movie. That is true. His yeah, dad. And all this shit, like uh, Matt, there's a there's a scene at the beginning of Home Alone, and again, this is how you know that I didn't care for Christmas Chronicles one because again, I in detail. There's a scene in Christmas. In, there's a scene in Home Alone one where a kid is actively plotting to piss on Macaulay Culkin. Oh, you're talking about Fuller, who's drinking a bunch of Pepsi. Yeah, who's like. Like, the, like he's like, yeah, I, I'm gonna pee later. By the second movie, he's quit Pepsi and he's drinking Coke. I noticed that in a recent recent rewatch. Here's what redeems both Home Alone and Home Alone Two in my eyes. By the way, both written by I don't know if Home Alone Two is written by John Hughes. It is. Um, both were written by John Hughes, which is why they're kind of mean spirited. I think John Hughes movies weirdly mean spirited. Could we agree on that? I would say so. I, I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and I, are you supposed to like Steve Martin in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? <laughs> I think you're supposed to empathize with Steve Martin for being in frustrating situations, like 
having to deal with John Candy in that film. He's an asshole, a rich asshole, who lives in Chicago and works in New York. Yeah. That movie is wild. But Home Alone can be mean-spirited. But here's what saves both of those movies. The things that you ignored when you were a kid, the subplots with the elderly people that Kevin befriends. Those are, I, I think those are pretty untouchable. The, bringing the old man back together with his family in the first one, genuinely heartwarming. And the bird lady of the second one, not quite as good, but still pretty nice. Anyway, Chris Columbus. Yes, the guy who directed those first two Harry Potter movies. Yeah. The guy who directed Pixels. That's the movie where Josh Gad has sex with Hubert, I believe. The director of Mrs. Doubtfire? A movie about a sociopath? The director of the Rent movie? Don't know anything about it. The director of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief? He he was like the go-to franchise guy there for a minute. Yeah, that's why I call him the franchise. Franchise Chris Columbus. Uh, also, Do you think it's comforting writer, for Chris Columbus? The writer she, of Christmas with the Cranks. Another mean-spirited movie? Yeah. Fucking Dan Aykroyd in Christmas with the Cranks haunts my fucking dreams. <laughs> anyway, you were going to say. Do you think Chris Columbus is like willing to take risks as a filmmaker? No. <laughs> because he knows that no matter what he does, he will not be the worst Chris Columbus. That is an interesting point. I don't think he takes risks as a filmmaker, though. No, he doesn't. Not at all. He plays very straight. You're thinking of like Robert Zemeckis, who had that whole career uh, path where he decided, I'm just going to make weird, uncanny valley CGI movies for a while. When he did Polar Express and uh, Beowulf. Oh man, do you remember? Do you remember Neil Gaiman's Beowulf, Matt? I do. With Angelina Jolie. I I love that movie because you know what I I've read Beowulf and I was like, okay, but what if Beowulf was just a real asshole piece of shit who didn't actually do any of this stuff? Yeah. And it was also about how religion's bad. Yep. But that's Robert Zemeckis, not. Not our boy, Chris Columbus, who directed Christmas Chronicles 2. This one has Mrs. Claus, played by Kurt Russell's real-life life partner, Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. It brings back the two kids from the first movie, and also adds a ton of new people. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know if the kids from the first movie were going to come back, because I thought... Since this is Christmas Chronicles, it was going to like follow Santa, and Santa was just going to get mixed up in people's lives. Well, it does follow Santa, but those kids are back. It also adds a number of new cast members, including a movie fighter's favorite, Malcolm McDowell. L- love him. You, you remember him from Doomsday. Yes. Of course I remember him from Doomsday, Matt. I remember it. I remember, again, everything about Doomsday. Robot Eye. Mm-hmm. It's a weirdly depressing opening that, <laughs> in retrospect. Also, this movie now has well, uh, several people you like. Uh, Tyrese Gibson, famously Love for Tyrese. the Fast and Furious franchise. Roman. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe your favorite person, 
Santa. Well, non-magical. Wait, Batman's in this? Batman's not, not fictional. Not magical or fictional. Matt Wilson. I, I mean, I guess she is magical in a way. The strength of her beautiful voice inspires magic in us all. Dolly? Not Dolly. Carly? Similar, uh... Oh, 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 Matt, Matt, Matt. Darlene. 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 I'm sorry, I was just thinking of her as my close personal friend. I because th- she did blow me and AC kisses directly to us, like making eye contact with us when we, when we saw her. So I, I, don't, I don't even think of her as, as an actress or musician anymore. Just think of her as my close personal friend. Fair. Well, she's in it. She's in the movie. So get hyped for that. Are you looking forward to it? You know, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I didn't particularly dislike the first one. I didn't love it, but I didn't dislike it. The elves are, good. The elves are probably going to be bad again. The the one bit of uh, of trivia I picked up on on IMDb as I was looking through it is that the elves are specifically a reference to gremlins, which sounds like it could be good. Another. But, why are there so many mean spirited Christmas movies? I don't know. It's it's uh, counterintuitive. It's it's a way to go against the grain. Yeah, Matt. If you th- okay, it's a sidebar. If you think about any. Like classic Christmas movie. I don't know what people are like rebelling against because all of them are miserable. Like, yeah, is Fred Claus bad? Yes. Okay. Yes. But like, it's it's a Wonderful Life. Guy tries to kill himself. Christmas well, Christmas Carol. That's got ghosts. But so, okay. Well, the, the the thing about It's a Wonderful Life and Christmas Carol is that they the the the, the two guys have to be at low points. To get their lives revived. Also, It's a Wonderful Life. Only a Christmas movie at the very end. A long stretch of that movie is not a Christmas movie. I definitely just tilted my head and narrowed my eyes. As though to say, Matt. That's that's not a hill you can die on, buddy. That is that is about a whole man's life. And then it just happens that a big the biggest event happens at Christmas. Here's the thing, though. If you do consider it's a wonderful life of Christmas movie, and I would say many do, many do. It in some ways it's a New Year's movie. They sing "Old Lang Syne" at the end. Here's the thing, though. They have to be at a low point so they can be redeemed. They're redemption stories, Chris. Yeah, but like, like the Christmas story about a kid who wants a gun. Or he'll shoot his eye out. Christmas Story, I find... This is maybe an unpopular opinion. I find a Christmas Story to be an interminable movie. <laughs> it's, no, I I like it quite a bit. Um, I <laughs> I like it quite a bit because um, my dad always used to tell me that he really uh, identified with Kevin McLeod as the dad, as the old man. Mm-hmm. And... As as a kid, I was like, right, he's, he's the dad in the movie. And now as an adult, I'm like, wow. <laughs> that's that's a rough one, but you're going to have to bring that one up in therapy. An old crank. No joke. An old, old crank. Let's watch this movie. What, what, do we have anything oh, uh, to say about it? Yeah, I will just real quick say that um, a listener actually reached out to me and said, hey, 
have you watched Christmas Chronicles 2 yet, or are you saving that for movie fighters? And I said, saving it for movie fighters? And he said, I'm sorry. And so I am tempering some expectations with the knowledge that I already don't like this franchise. One other little note that I guess is worth mentioning. This is quite the family affair. Not only is Goldie Hawn in this movie, but a number of Kurt Russell's grandchildren are also in this. Oh, well, that's nice. A lot of, a lot of members of the Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn family uh, pop up throughout. Oliver Hudson, who is Goldie Hawn's son. Well, a, lot of, a lot of family members in this. So that could be good. That could be bad, quite honestly. Chris, we're going to watch this movie, but before we do, mm-hmm. it's time for the hottest segment in all of podcasting. It's time for Snack Situation. Chris, what are you snacking on for Christmas Chronicles 2? Matt, you know it's Christmas time. I do. I do. And and listen, it, it maybe didn't feel like it for a while. We, we might have been walking around and, and having to lean on that that wall that is weirdly like chest high for children. So I guess it's like what like two feet high? It's like a two foot high brick wall that you can lean on and be like like I know I'm supposed to be happy. But but gosh darn it, Matt. We're we're getting the Christmas spirit in here. We're getting festive. Uh my wife baked gingerbread cookies today and listen the cookies are delicious they're fantastic scratch scratch made decided yesterday that she wanted to bake some gingerbread cookies very exciting but what i did what i added to the mix is i was like babe you know what we could do i have all that frosting that i bought so i popped open some some cream cheese frosting and that i have what are essentially delicious gingerbread Oreos. You made a sandwich. I made a little sandwich cookie, yeah. Now, it was, you gotta have a light hand with it. Because otherwise, it absolutely will be too sweet. I did it. I did it to the microphone. Good. I did it to the microphone, too. But yeah, that's what I'm snacking on. That and a good old good old bottle of water. Mm. Drink your water, everybody. Cookies and water. That great combo. (laughs) I, I'm not going to drink milk and then Look, talk. I'm, I'm not judging. I have no judgment. Matt, what are you snacking on? Well, Chris, um, t- typically around the Christmas time, we make uh, shortbread cookies, but it's it's a little early for that. We're going to make shortbread probably next week. So I had dinner just before this, so I'm not actually that hungry. So I guess I'm still s- snacking on my dinner and at the Christmas time season, obviously show generosity to others, but treat yourself as well. That's why tonight, Chris, I had to go to Bojangles. <gasps> and in typical Bojangles fashion, <laughs> when I rolled up <laughs> to that uh, drive through menu and I said, please give me a two piece combo. The one that comes with a drink. They said, uh, we're out of legs. And I said, all right then, I guess Supremes. The classic Bojangles experience. That's how you know Bojangles is good, because they're always out of something. They're always out of something. And you're almost pretty regularly going to wait for fries. 
But I had my, my I guess, second choice Bojangles dinner meal, which was Supremes, which is their, their kind of spicy chicken strips, <clears throat> fries, and a cheer wine uh, with a biscuit, of course. And uh, despite it being my second choice, it was good. And they just opened a Popeye's across from the Bojangles, so no line. No line at Bojangles. They'll be back. They'll be back. They'll all be back when they want breakfast. All right, we're going to watch The Christmas Chronicles 2. It's on Netflix. So, you know, you, you probably have that. You can watch it there. If you want to watch along with us, either way, we're going to take a little break. You're going to hear a musical interlude and an ad for a couple of other great shows here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. And then... We're going to come back and we're going to talk about The Christmas Chronicles 2. Hello, my name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favourite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website, www.our3cents.co.uk. How does Bloodborne stack up against, say, Oregon Trail? And is Bomberman just Loadrunner from a different point of view? Find out on Hardcore Gaming 101's Top Games, where we objectively, definitively, and scientifically rank the games you nominate for our ever-growing list. HG 101's Top Games, twice a week, every week, right here on Greenlit. And we are back from watching The Christmas Chronicles 2, a movie which prominently features Bell Snickel and the Yule Cat, but pretty much in name only. Am, am I wrong on that, Chris? No, Matt. No, you're not. This movie makes a lot of choices that I don't understand. And I, I, I guess we'll get to those later when we're doing low points or whatever. But I wanted to front load this with some of the like Christmas tradition slash mythology stuff, Christmas lore. Because one of the reasons we got asked by several listeners to watch this movie is because this stuff is in it. And actually, people asked us to get our friend Benito Serino to chime in on what he thinks of. The stuff in this, which I would be curious to know, because Bell Snickle in this movie is not Bell Snickle from like German Christmas tradition, where he is the way I put it to you earlier, Chris, is an anti-Santa. He's he's he, the the inverse of Santa. He he punishes the bad children. Yeah, I I I don't know if anti-Santa is quite the quite the right term. Like, and if. Benito's listening. I know he's grinding his teeth right now, but he's he's the 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 dark companion. He's the opposite of the coin, I guess. The, the, the Benito usually describes them as the Batman to the Superman. Like they're both doing the same thing, but one of them does different methods. So traditionally, Bellsnuckle shows up and whips bad children with a with a switch, <laughs> and he's also bearded, but he has a brown beard instead of a white beard, and he wears fur. That's Bellsnuckle. In in lore, and Bill Snickel in this is an evil elf, or an elf that's gone bad. Mm-hmm. He's the Lucifer of elves. He was cast from the North Pole. 
to to uh, oversee the dark side. Wow, he really was, Matt. <laughs> he really, he's really the morning, was. the morning star, Bill Tickle in this movie. Yeah, it, it, he's he's not traditional Bill Snickle in any way. The Yule Cat in this is kind of somewhat more like the Yule Cat of lore, but really he's just a big, mean cat. He doesn't eat people who didn't get new clothes for Christmas, which is what the Yule Cat does in lore. Right. So I don't know what to tell you. I guess it's cool that they're name-checked in here, but it's not, it's not, it's not. They're not them. <laughs> I don't know why they wouldn't just call Bellsnickel literally anything else. Yeah, just give him a name and have him be a bad elf. Yeah, just, just, uh, that like that like that's a choice they make. Uh, they have they have they make the choice of having Kurt Russell sing a song with Darlene Love, which I don't know if I would I don't know if I would make that choice. I mean, they had to have another musical number, I guess, where Santa sings. Like that's that's a key component of these movies. Yeah. Matt, by the way, to, con- to briefly continue our conversation from earlier, uh, Nobody Ought to Be Alone on Christmas, uh, the theme to Home Alone 2, uh, is sung by Darlene Love and is a great song. It is, in fact, sung by Darlene Love. Uh, I Again, I recently watched Home Alone 2, and I was like, you know who that is singing? Because there, okay, there was a part earlier in the movie where I forget what song it was, but there's it's that Tom Petty Christmas song. And Marlene was like, you know who that is? And I was like, no, I don't. And she was like, it's Tom Petty. How dare you? And then later, Marlene's a huge Tom Petty fan. Did not know that. Later, uh, that song was in the movie, Nobody Ought to Be Alone on Christmas. And I was like, well, you know who that is. That's Darlene Love. And Marlene was like, oh. So we each knew one, (laughs) one song in that movie. Chris Columbus in this movie very intent on referencing the Home Alone films, and we'll we'll get to those those moments. Yeah, it's really weird. Like even Darling Love being there doesn't feel like a like a a reference to Darling Love fixture and superstar of Christmas. But then she did the song from Home Alone too. Well, the whole sequence takes place at an airport in 1990. Yes. It's a, a airport sequence set 30 years ago in a very brief time travel interlude that seems fully designed to just be like, hey, remember Home Alone? There's also a part at the North Pole where the elves are watching It's a Wonderful Life in Elvish to reference when they're watching It's a Wonderful Life in French in the first Home Alone. It's weird. It's, it's weird. Matt, it's weird. So here's what happens in this movie. The young girl that we remember from the first movie, Kate, she has grown up a little. She's she's a preteen now. She thinks she's too cool to be on this trip with her mom and mom's boyfriend, Bob, who is played by Tyrese. Yes, Tyrese plays a character named Bob. <laughs> That was shocking to me. <laughs> yes. I think because we primarily know him as Tyrese and also as as uh, Roman. Yeah. Here he's, Both of which are great names. Here he's Bob. 
He's Bob. His mom is dating Tyrese, and they have gone on a vacation. You know what would have made that work, though? Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you know what would have made that work? What's that? Is if he'd have one of those shirts from the fucking Sharper Image catalog. Mm-hmm. There's like, of course I'm right. I'm Bob. You know what would have made it work also? If his name was Bob Cratchit. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. It's not, though. It's not. Yeah. It's Booker. Bob Bob Booker. Oof. 4.59 on a Friday when you came up with that one, huh? <laughs> Been there. No shade. They go on vacation at Christmas time to Cancun. And Kate hates it. She doesn't want to be there. She doesn't like being in a tropical paradise at Christmas time. Yeah, look, I, I which I, I'm sympathetic to. I like it when it's nice and cold. I live in I live in North Carolina. I I do not like it when it's all hot on Christmas, Matt. We yeah, we go back and forth. Here we live in a fairly temperate area, but it can be warm on Christmas sometimes. Yeah. So she doesn't want to be there, and she's kind of complaining the whole time about it. And she also, she doesn't like Bob. She doesn't like her mom's new boyfriend. It's, it's, she doesn't have a specific dislike of Bob. It's just that Bob is not her dad. She's going through that classic thing of, uh, she does, she feels like Bob is trying to replace, uh, her dad. And if she was two years older, two, three years older, she would understand what her complaining is doing. Like, her mom is with Tyrese. You only get one chance with Tyrese. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, he like he is Tyrese. <laughs> like, I mean, let's let's be real. Bob's a catch. Bob is a catch. Bob also has a son of his own, Jack, who I don't know. I guess is kind of an annoying little kid. He's got like yeah. allergies and stuff. I feel like I feel like. We've seen this actor in other stuff, but I don't know if that's it or if we've just seen this character type one million times. I think it is this character type because, as far as I can tell, this this actor doesn't have a ton of other roles. He doesn't have his own Wikipedia page. Hmm. He does remind me – actually, several elements of this movie remind me of another Netflix original that came out this year, Jingle Jangle. Yeah, which uh, – we, we that was – we almost did that one instead of this one. Uh, so I think both of us watched that one recreationally. Yeah, that, that, like movie, supposed to. that movie was shockingly longer than this one. Yeah, it, that movie's also better than this one. And also it, it weirder. Very weird. But um, Jack kind of reminds me of the kid from Jingle Jangle, whose name I don't remember, who was like the lab assistant kid. Or like the, the inventing assistant kid. Uh, who yeah, shows up yeah. like around halfway through. Because they're both kind of like odd kids with allergies, and maybe like they're a little idiosyncratic. Scaredy cats, yeah. Yeah. Idiosyncratic. Like there's one part where Jack goes up to the bar and orders whatever drink he orders, non-alcoholic. And then he he says for it to be lactose-free. That's the kind of kid Jack is. Yeah. Which is, of course, hilarious. And because- well, it, Kate doesn't like him. She calls him like a Frady cat or something like that at some point. Yeah. He's also quite annoying. Yeah. So Kate, after Bob is like, look, I want to give you all something really nice. So we're going to go on a trip 
like a day trip, or actually, I'm going to do something really nice for your mom. It wasn't for everybody. It was just for him and their mom. Wait, wait, wait. That's that's not what happens, is it? Like, I thought the whole thing, that was all a plot by Bell's Nickel. Like, the, the whole thing of, like, them getting to go to the, the Mayan ruins. Like, that's all, like, Bell's Nickel setting it up so he can separate her from her family, right? Yeah, yeah, but, like, Bob gets the tickets, and he, okay. like, proposes it as a thing that they're going to do. And he's like, I'm going to take your mom to these Mayan ruins. It's an overnight trip, so you'll just be here at the resort. You can hang out. You can enjoy it. You'll be with your older brother. Remember Kate's older brother from the first movie? <laughs> yeah, you know who doesn't remember him? This movie. Teddy is his name. He's too old for this movie now, so he's only at the beginning and the very end. I don't like. Where's Where's our movies? Where's our movies about like not like awful murderers like Tim Allen, uh, but like you know, like dudes in their twenties who are like, yeah, man, I know Santa. <laughs> is he supposed to be in his twenties by this point? No, but that's what I'm saying. Is like you shouldn't Wait. age out of a Christmas movie. He's like late teens, I think, yeah. by this. Yeah. And so he, even though, like, so it was two years ago, it's it's made abundantly clear that this is 2020. Yes. Which means this is in some alternate universe where they could safely be at this Cancun resort, where they could leave America. Yes. And and and, and everyone is closer than six feet apart and not wearing I, their masks. I guess we could come up with a theory, because actually I think travel to Mexico is still allowed. Where this family vehement anti-maskers. Yes. And they decided, we're not staying in America at Christmas. We're going to go to Mexico where we can stay at a resort and not have to socially distance. And not wear masks. And JFK Jr. is going to be there. Yeah. Uh, we, we've heard that's where that's where he's coming back. We're, we're going to Cancun. <laughs> oh, Matt. Brilliant. Funny. You did it. So, uh, so I also like how that is your one indication for you, Matt, that this takes place in some kind of alternate universe that, that they are that they are traveling internationally. Nothing else about this movie. Yeah, nothing else. So, mom and Bob go off on their day trip, and brother Teddy is like, they leave Teddy in charge, and Teddy's like, "Oh, I don't care. Do whatever you want." And he goes and like hangs out with his girlfriend. Yeah, because there's like a hot girl, and he's like, mm, you guys go have a fun Christmas. Because he doesn't know they're about to embark on a Christmas adventure. Yeah, and what they, the uh, Jack and Kate, are supposed to do is like some kind of kiddie shit at the resort. There's like a kid section of the resort that they're supposed like to hang out kids in. Club. Yeah. Kids club, they call it. And Jack's very excited about it, and Kate doesn't want to do it. She's like barely just barely outside of the range of being too old for it. So she does some machinations where she calls the airline that is going to fly them back and gets her ticket advanced to like that day. And she tries to get on the airline shuttle to go to the airport to leave, to go back home to Boston. Go shipping up to Boston. I'm surprised they didn't play that one there, but that one might be a little after Chris Columbus's time, perhaps. So, what, Matt? When you called him Boomer Santa, buddy, you were dead on. Yeah, I think you saying Boomer Santa made me is the what I liked least about this movie. <laughs> so she gets on what she thinks is the airport shuttle that's going to take her back to the airport, but it is in fact 
a golf cart piloted by Belsnickel, who we saw at the very beginning watching her videotape of the speech she gave in the last movie about being a true believer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Belsnickel, somehow she doesn't question that the airport shuttle is a golf cart. Is it the airport? Matt, I'm sorry I keep contradicting you because I was barely paying attention, I'll be honest with you. This movie, it's, it's not like I was trying not to pay attention. This movie slides off the eyeballs, honestly. <laughs> like, like it's... I'm, I know... For like in the way that I could not remember the last one when we started this, this one will be out of my head by tomorrow. Fair. It was supposed to be the airport shuttle. Okay. Okay. I just thought it was like, uh, like how they get around the resort. I don't know how big this resort is. In, it, in- it is specifically stated that this is the airport shuttle stop, and he drives up in this golf cart and is like, "I'll take you to the airport." So they're chugging along, and then Bell Snickle just like. Well, first of all, we find out that Jack got on the golf cart, too, because he wanted to find out what Kate was doing. And then Bellsnickel, like, swerves the golf cart around, so Kate and Jack go flying off, and they fly into, like, a wormhole thing, a portal, which Kate identifies as a wormhole, because she's seen one before. Yeah. And... She's been to Tarak Noor. Yeah. They end up at the North Pole in their Cancun clothes. So they, and they like, die instantly. <laughs> yeah, they would have frozen to death instantly, but just like in Santa Claus the movie, where you know the the movie where Santa Claus dies at the beginning, and then also the movie is about fucking Dudley Moore. Yeah, th- th- we watched that movie for this show. We did. I'm never not going to be mad about it. I have a Santa Claus the movie comic adaptation somewhere here. I I I, I believe I gave that to you, I or someone gave it. it to me. We might both own it. Maybe we did. Uh, anyway, so. They end up at the North Pole. While When they get to the North Pole, Santa is chasing around the Yule Cat. Jola is its name. And this is, I guess, just what he does in his spare time. He's, like, running down a Yule Cat, trying to, trying to catch it. This is, like, three days before Christmas. This is what he's doing with his yeah, time. Yeah, the, the solstice. Yeah. And, but he has to stop his hunt for the Yule Cat because he notices Kate and Jack lying in the snow, dying. And so he goes and saves them. Takes them back to his his village, Santa's village. And shows them around. Introduces them to Mrs. Claus. Played by Goldie Hawn. I forgot that she was actually in the last movie, too. She's yeah, got a she she cameo makes a cameo. Yeah. She's like the Nick Fury of that last one. That's right. And they give them the grand tour of Santa's village. Mrs. Claus is extremely excited to see real children. There's like an unstated, but very obvious thing about like Mrs. Claus being sad that they didn't have kids of their own. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's very excited to have children there. They're showing them around the village. Santa informs them that actually Mrs. Claus, like the whole village is his workshop, first of all, and that Mrs. Claus designed every store. And, you know, Kate, quite understandably, is like, why isn't this called Mrs. Claus's Village, then? And Santa's kind of like, well, it's been called Santa's Village for a thousand years, but maybe. I'll think about it. That's never resolved. 
Yeah, there's one thing later where I think it's Kate says that's you know uh, after spoiler warning, uh, Bell's nickel goes to Santa's village. He's like, yeah, you, you keep the name of this place out your fucking mouth. This is Mrs. Claus's village. That's what you call it. And Santa goes, eh, it's, we, we haven't, we're not final on that. Yeah, and they never actually, like, I thought surely by the end of this movie, Santa would have been like, yes, this is Mrs. Claus's village. Doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's the most set up thing. It could not be more set up. Also, it's worth noting here that when Santa flew... Uh, Kate and Jack into the village, he had to fly through the Aurora Borealis Mm -hmm. because the Aurora Borealis is the shield. It's like uh, the the, uh, hologram that that, uh, prevents people from seeing Wakanda. Matt, I was about to say (laughs) the exact same thing. Real Wakanda vibe. It's a real... Yes, and... And, but this is like more dangerous than that. Santa is the only person who knows how to fly through like the dangerous Aurora Borealis. So uh, Bell's Nickel actually stows away on the sleigh to get into Santa's village. So he's there now. And he's teamed up with uh, like a, another bad elf, like one of his old elf friends. Speck is its name. Did we mention that Bell's Nickel is the kid from Deadpool too? He's the kid from Deadpool too. Yeah, his that actor's name is Julian Dennison, and yeah. he's from New Zealand. He's he's a Maori actor, and it's never addressed in either this or Deadpool two that he's from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, which which like you said at the end of it. Oh, he's from Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, he's from that too. Yeah, yeah he's the kid from that. Uh, yeah, you said at the end like that's that's an Elvish accent, which is, which makes as much sense as anything else. Sure. It's look. Arnold Schwarzenegger was allowed to have an accent that nobody ever pointed out or talked about in movies for decades. It's fine. You okay? Uh, 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 all Arnold Schwarzenegger characters could be, like in in the modern era, not like your Conans, could be Austrian immigrants, except for the Terminator. The the, the fact that the Terminator has an accent is weird. The character in Kindergarten Cop is named. Hold on. Is is it John Kimball? J- John Kimball, yeah. Yeah. I thought for a second I thought that was the fugitive. The, but like Richard Kimball's the fugitive. Okay. Yeah, his name is John Kimball in Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, and nobody like nobody points out his accent. <laughs> Look, if Arnold could get away with that, Gal Gadot or Gadot could sound like she does as Wonder Woman. And this kid can sound like he does in this movie. Oh yeah, no, like look, that's fine. Look, yeah. Like I, I just it it is the only reason it's weird is that he's the only person who has an, an accent, accent in yeah. the movie. Yeah, like I'm like sure that can be except, a little talk. Except Malcolm McDowell sounds like Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, well, yeah, which is the thing that makes it weird because these other elves have a different accent when they speak English. Yeah. So anyway, so. In Santa's Village, we get so much exposition, so much backstory. We find out why Santa doesn't age. We found out we find out that the North Pole is run by a piece of the North Star, like a little sliver of the North Star that is in the star on top of the huge Christmas tree in the middle of Santa's Village. We find out that he created the Aurora Borealis to be the Wakanda shield. We find out that Belsnickel was 
an elf who turned bad and did bad things like tripping other elves and spray painting the sleigh. Yeah, it's not like he was a murderer. He was just yeah. a jerk and he had like an ego problem. He became like a mischievous – he became like Bart Simpson. He became like a mischievous kid. Yeah, I, Bart Simpson is a good – like a good reference. I was going to say like 1996 Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and he started wearing his hat. not that bad. Yeah, he wasn't on a lot of drugs. But, but <laughs> he started wearing his hat backwards and like a vest with patches and stuff, which is – what he wears throughout the rest of the movie. That's and, not a joke about Shawn Michaels. That is what, like he, that's, he's wearing a backwards hat. And like, also all <laughs> apparently elf hats, like the hats that the elves wear when they're making toys have like adjustable pants. Yeah. Yeah. They can't even get like a snapback. <laughs> you got to get the adjustable band, but because he's bad, he gets turned from elf into human. And at one point we hear that he's tired of aging, but it, he doesn't seem to have aged at all. Yeah. How long ago did the Bellstickle stuff happen? Because was it like last year? <laughs> yeah. Like, and how did he know? Like, it's not like he's in his thirties, which you would know that you have been aging rapidly. Yeah. By all of the aches and pains and popping of joints. I that all that stuff was all. I don't get it, but like. There is so much exposition in this part. We find out everything there is to know about the North Pole and its workings. And it's all just in service of a MacGuffin, which is that star on the top of a Christmas tree. The Star of Bethlehem, they call it. That's what they call it. And, of course, this is the thing Belsnickel wants. Because he wants to destroy the North Pole. He he thinks if he takes this and runs off to the South Pole, he'll become the evil Santa Claus himself. He'll become Atnus the (laughs) anti-Santa. That's right. Atnus is good. Thank you. Also in here, because of various goings-on, Kate and Jack talk Santa and Mrs. Claus into letting them stay the night. Because... Their mom and Bob are going to be gone all night anyway. So they stay the night. Mrs. Claus tells them stories from storybooks. And then that's when Bill Snickle attacks. It happens to be the night that they're there. Bill Snickle has the Yule Cat run into the reindeer stable. And he, like, scratches uh, – is it Dasher? Yeah, Dasher gets attacked. And Dasher's, like, almost dead. Yeah, there's some weirdly, like, intense reindeer uh, pain uh, in this movie. Oh, I did mention this. One big part of the uh, backstory is that, so Santa was St. Nicholas in Turkey. Yeah, he was. He was was Bishop Nicholas of Myra. Yeah, he was, well, he was Bishop Nicholas of Turkey, even though they call him St. Nicholas when he's alive, even though he wouldn't have been a saint yet. Which is, well, they knew. They knew. They knew. He's Nicholas the Wonder Worker. They knew. Because he's such a generous man who gives toys to children, the elves of the woods of Turkey bring him in and give him his immortality and his powers to be Santa Claus. Which has to be a little bit theologically confusing for him. I would say so. But with him being a Catholic bishop at the time. And they also give him uh, that star of Bethlehem. We also find out that at this time in the 1500s, Elves were hunted for sport by people. Mm-hmm. 
they were hunted to near extinction by human beings. Yeah. Human beings are bad, Matt. I don't know if you know that. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So we find out about all that stuff, too. So Bell Snickle attacks. He gets the Star of Bethlehem by attacking Dasher. And because Santa's kind of dumb and he doesn't know that Bell Snickle is there. And that's a little dumb in this. He's a little dumb. He also sets up a thing where he shoots off. He has uh, the the bad elf spec shoot off. They have these cannons that make it snow at the North Pole because there's another weird bit of lore <laughs> about how the Aurora Borealis blocks out real snow, so they have to shoot off cannons so that it'll snow there. Yeah, they bring in the snow from outside. There's so much in this movie that feels like they had to work backwards in order to explain it, which I'm sure they did. But the stuff that it explains is not, like, necessary. No, but they needed cannons so that Speck could shoot off this stuff. Uh, what is it called? Elf? Elfbane? Elfbane. Elfbane, yeah. This stuff called Elfbane that makes the elves go nuts and be <laughs> evil. Yeah, you know, it's poison for Santa's elves. You know how catnip makes your cat go crazy? Yeah. This is like catnip, but it would also make your cat evil. So the elves start a big snowball fight where they're attacking Santa. And they try to, but before that happens, Santa tries to stop Belsnickel. And Belsnickel tells his whole plan about how he's going to go off to the South Pole. And Santa's like, no, actually, we love you. You should come back. And Belsnickel's like, bah humbug. And Santa goes, don't you dare say that. Yeah, everybody is very scandalized when he says bah humbug, which I did think was a very, very funny bit. That was very good. So Santa and Belsnickel have this Dark City-style <laughs> fight over the uh, the Bethlehem star, where Santa's using his magic to pull it one way, and Belsnickel's using his technology. He's got a gravity glove like fucking gordon freeman <laughs> yeah also has a crowbar um that, so because that's, the other way that's the thing is like bells nickel was very good at much like in jingle jingle uh bells nickel was very good at inventing toys like that's why he got such an ego because he was so good at it yeah he, he he builds a mechanical butterfly that looks like one of the toys from jingle jangle yeah so finally, they're struggling over the Star of Bethlehem, and wouldn't you know it, because they pull it so hard, it's destroyed. And Mrs. Claus and Santa are both like, Bell Snickel, how dare you do that? Even though Santa contributed just as much to destroying that star. I stick by that. Uh, you, you are not wrong. Uh, then they all start that snowball fight. They corner Santa and the rest so that Belsnickel can get away. So then Santa has to concoct a plan to, one, save Dasher, who's mortally injured. Two, get the elves uh, back to sanity. Get the power back on and, and get the star back. So he tasks Mrs. Claus with the healing of Dasher and the invention of something like an anti, a cure for Elfbane. And then he is going to go to Turkey to get another piece of the Bethlehem star to make another thing to power 
Santa's village. He and Kate are going to go do that. So Mrs. Claus is like, okay, I got to stay here and heal Dasher. Hey, uh, you kid, Jack, go up a mountain and uh, and get the stuff I need to make the Elfsbane cure. You'll be fine. Here are two cookies that you can use. One explodes and one makes you brave. Get out of here. So Jack goes on his little quest. <laughs> Santa and Kate, they go to Turkey. They have to prove to the younger elves in Turkey in the forest that Santa is really Santa, so he does some magic. He makes an arrow go away by tapping his nose. And then he does something else. Oh, he freezes one of the elves. Not lethally, though. Then they talk to the lead elf in Turkey, who's Malcolm McDowell. His name's Hawken. And he's just like, yeah, here you go. Here's a star. <laughs> like, that stuff's pretty quick. It's pretty quickly solved. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jack uh, tries to go up the mountain. He can't remember which cookie gives him bravery and which one explodes. One's just like a regular gingerbread man and one's a snowman. But then he remembers and he eats the snowman and he gives him bravery. He goes up the mountain. The Yule Cat attacks him. Then he throws the exploding cookie at the Yule Cat and the Yule Cat runs away. And he goes and gets the stuff he needs. Santa and Kate are on their way back to the North Pole when, wouldn't you know it, there's dang old Bellsnickel again in a sleigh of his own design uh, being piloted by jackalotes, which are jackal-coyote hybrids. Mm -hmm. He affixes Santa's sleigh with a thing, like a a goofy thing. a A device. That sends it back to 1990 in Boston at an airport. (laughs) Everybody's mad because they can't get where they're going going on Christmas. There's one lady who's like, I demand a flight to Chicago because she's the mom from Home Alone. She's Kevin's mom, yeah. She's Mrs. Mrs. McAllister. Mrs. McAllister. Those assholes have a monogram doorknob, Matt. They're so rich. They're so fucking rich. They're unbelievably rich. They're going to Paris on Christmas. They, they're, they're infuriatingly rich. Yeah. Kevin's dad, who could not give less of a shit about him, has this beautiful camel hair coat. It's great. He's got a great coat. Um, I guess the, the, if you if you take one thing away from the uh, the, the review of Christmas Chronicles two that we're giving here, it's the, the fuck Home Alone. Actually, there is stuff to like about those movies, but boy, that family is. I, li- I like the line "Merry Christmas, you filthy animal." Uh, yes, it's good. Keep the change, you filthy animal. I don't know if that actor. Who plays that gangster has ever been anything in anything else, but he has the best voice. He's very good. Also, the idea of adults being fooled by <laughs> audio of a movie. Yeah. Hey, hey, at least they don't try and sell you the thing in that one. That's true. Or they're doing fucking Home Alone too, where they're like, here's a great magic talk boy. The talk boy. It's fucking talk boy. They go to the airport, Darlene Love is there. Uh, she's like well Darlene Love is playing a character who's like, it's not like they're just walking around and she's like hi I'm Darlene Love yeah 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 she's she's like one of the clerks 
at the airport, and she's informing everybody that the flight is delayed and there's nothing she could do. And everybody's getting mad, so she starts singing a song. Santa's joining in the song. Kate, Santa magics her, and she starts singing. Yeah. Because Kate, much like in when he jammed out with the E Street Band in jail, the music is diegetic. Yes, it is. Uh, also, before that happens, uh, Kate goes and tries to buy some AAA batteries at one of the airport stores because the little d- device that Belsnickel put on the sleigh runs on AAA batteries. Yeah, and there's a line where uh, where uh, Santa's like, only Belsnickel can invent a time machine that runs on AA batteries. So, a grudging respect. Yeah, Kate goes and tries to buy some AAA batteries at the airport store, but she uses a $20... I actually like this part. She uses a $20 bill that the the uh, cashier is like, this is fake. Because it's a $20 bill from 2020. Yeah, it's got that big picture on it. It's got that big picture on it. it uh, someone in 1990 seeing that dollar bill would be like, this is the most ridiculous, wild thing I've ever seen. Although, in a few years, in like a decade, she's going to get fucked up when that's what really looks like. <laughs> Do you think she'll remember? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, a cop comes over and hassles Kate. And this is a very Home Alone part where Kate's like – or the cop's like, where's your parents? And she's like, oh, they let me travel on my own. The cop's like, where's your boarding pass? And she's like, oh, I left it over there. Let me just go get it. And he's like, no. And she's like, well, why don't you just page Santa? And she, he's like, okay, yeah, I'll page Santa. And he takes her to like the security area. Also in the security area is like a teenage boy that she strikes up a conversation with. Do we find out why he's also on fucking lockdown, Matt? We, we did not, but we found out that he is traveling from Boston to Florida because that's where his grandparents live. It's very apparent very quickly that that's her dad. Yeah, because he's like, yeah, I know a true believer when I see one. Don't worry, Santa's going to work it all out. Yeah. Uh, th- th- hey, have hope. Have some Christmas spirit. I boy, it sure I sure would love to have a daughter someday and an older son who's not in this film very much. It's it's you know, it's very, very obviously her dad. And he gives her like a pep talk, and then later when she and he leave the detention area and Santa sung his song, she's like, Oh, I didn't get your name, and he's like, Oh, my name's Doug. And Santa's like Pierce. And there's the whole realization that this is her dad. And then she calls him dad. Like they leave and she starts crying. They hug. She calls him dad. And she's like, what? Or he's like, what? And she goes, oh, I mean, Doug. And then they leave. And then he does a funny line about how he's got to start video recording everything. He's like, oh, man, note to self, take a video camera with me wherever I go from now on, which is great because all of those, ins- like, much like how, uh, you know, if you're if you're like John Wick's wife, you're going to take that camera everywhere and and make sure that you get yourself like turning around and laughing on the beach and being like, "Come on, John, <laughs> never do that." You are signing your own death warrant. Don't do it. Don't don't be the memory wife in Total Recall. So uh, Santa and Kate go back to the present, and actually they go back to 15 minutes. After Bell Snickle, 15 seconds after Bell Snickle put the device on 
the sleigh, and that works somehow. And they go back to the North Pole. Mrs. Claus heals Dasher and makes stuff that's the a- antidote for Elspane. And so Dasher's okay now. Uh, Santa and Kate get back to the North Pole. Jack goes up to the cannons and puts the anti-Elfsbane stuff, the antidote, in the cannons and shoots it off, and the elves are okay now. And uh, Kate makes her way up to the top of the Christmas tree, the star, the new star up there. But just at that moment, uh, it looks like she's going to get attacked by a drone that Belsnickel is operating. Uh, he, he invented a drone. drone strike. Yeah. Um, oh, also, before this, there's a whole sequence where Jack fights off the bad elves with nerf gu- a Nerf gun, and that's fun. That got us talking for a long time about Nerf guns. Yeah, Matt did not believe me when I said, "Hey, Matt, did you know that there are that there are Nerf guns that are like belt-fed automatic chain guns?" And he did not, and so I had to prove it. Yeah, it's wild. Jack fights off the the uh, drone. There's a whole thing where Santa and Belsnickel are having like a game of chicken with their two sleighs, and Mrs. Claus throws an exploding gingerbread cookie up toward uh, both sleighs, and they explode. And somehow the reindeer are fine after that. Not, reindeer not a- are immune to gingerbread damage, Matt. Oh, if good to know. Just read the monster manual. Next time I'm playing as a reindeer character, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll know that. Santa gives Belsnickel the first toy he ever made, that butterfly thing. And Belsnickel's heart is actually touched by this. He turns back into an elf. And uh, everything is back uh, to the way it should be in, San- in in Santa's village, which he's still not sure is going to be called Mrs. Claus's village. And he even declares that everything is restored. Santa flies back Jack and Kate back to Cancun. One-way trip on the sleigh back to Cancun. And uh, they're reunited with Kate and Bob, or uh, reunited with Mom and Bob. And Kate actually says, "Bob, I'm glad to see you too." She's accepting of Bob. She's she's happy to see Bob because she knows that Bob's never going to replace her dad, but he's a nice guy who, you know, has has his virtues and values. Then everybody sings "Oh Christmas Tree." Everybody in Cancun and everybody at the North Pole. They all sing it. The end. Chris, what are our high points of the Christmas Chronicles 2? I did like that this movie, in in its own weird way, like went into some Santa Claus mythology. Yeah, like went into like there's more Santa stuff. There's more Santa stuff. It feels more like Santa instead of like a Santa who doesn't want to be Santa, which is what yeah. the first movie was. If this movie had been like. Katie goes to the North Pole and, you know, Santa has to like track down all the escaped Christmas monsters. So they go after the Yule Cat and they go after Grilla and they go after uh, the, the Krampus and, and the Klaubauf and, and Merlud. Like, that would have been fun. And then he's like, hey, wait, why are you here? And she just keeps distracting him. And, and then he has to sit her down and give her a talk about how uh, he's not going to replace her dad. But like, Instead, it get like we get this weird thing with Bell's nickel, which is wrong. But that's not a high point. But I did, I did like that it incorporated more Santa stuff. I, I actually liked the the elves were. I was thinking of the elves from, I, I, I think from uh, Rise of the Guardians when I was thinking of the minions. So they were. I feel like they were more miniony in 
the first one, and they're less so in this. Yeah. And the whole thing about them being like gremlins is when they are on the elf Spain. Yeah, which that and that seems pretty fun too. Like when when all the elves are like going buck wild, and he's like shooting them with a nerf crossbow and like smacking them with giant lollipops. Yeah. Again, doesn't do as much with the premise as I want it to, but it's fun. Two of my big high points for this are set design and costumes. I like the stuff Santa wears in this. Yes, I actually really like the look of this movie a lot. The the what Mrs. Claus wears is is really nice. What Santa wears is really nice. I don't remember the costumes being this good in the first one. Well, we didn't really get much beyond just Santa, right? Like, I mean, I guess we saw some elves, but like. They were mostly in like Applebee's and Chicago. Yeah, uh, the the costumes in this I think are really well designed. Even Bellstickle <laughs> with his backwards hat and punk vest, like you know, you get an instant idea of what his deal is. Uh, the design of the elves generally pretty good, and I really like the way. Uh, the North Pole and Santa's village look. Mrs. Claus's village. Mrs. Claus's village. Yes. Like it. It's it's got a nice look to it. The the sets and stuff. The, the airport even looks like it's from 1990. Which who would know better than Chris Columbus? <laughs> what do we got for low points of the Christmas Chronicles, too, Chris? Buddy, if you're gonna have Darlene Love sing an original song, you better make sure it's as good as Nobody Ought to Be Alone on Christmas. Music across the board is a low point in this movie. It's bad. The, it's rough stuff. That, that original is bad. The arrangement of Oh Christmas Tree at the end is bad. It's weird. Yeah, at the beginning there's like a mariachi version of Feliz Navidad that is also bad. All of the music is bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's weird that they just wrote out the older brother who's like a big part of that first movie. <laughs> Like, they, there could have easily been three of them. I mean, I guess the older brother had his arc, and his story's over. <laughs> I, I mean, and, he's the one who didn't like Christmas. He was the, he was the yeah. crab apple in the last one. And now he just wants to go uh, mac on a girl. He wants to go do some macking. Uh, nothing in this movie is is quite... It like quite does what I want it to do. Like I touched on this a little bit, but like you you, you talked about uh, Bell's Nichols' punk vest. Wouldn't it be better if we got like a good look at like weird patches that he has on there? They're like weird elf patches, L- like you know, like like naughty life, or something. You know, like something fun. It, it, as much as as much as I really do love the idea of Kurt Russell as Santa, and I think he has the look and the demeanor of being like a great adventure Santa, the character of Santa, like he's a little bit dumb. Yeah, he's not, I don't want to say he's unlikable, but he's not lovable like you want him to be. He's not, the, except for one thing, and I really should have mentioned this in my high points, because it probably was my favorite thing about the movie. Uh, at the end, when, you know, Bell's Nickel has, like, tried to destroy the North Pole and all that, Santa gives him a present, and he and Mrs. Claus are like, we love you. And that's, like, really good Santa stuff, because, you know, he gets he gets forgiven, and that's what, like, when he's like, oh my god, I love you guys too. <laughs> like, that's, 
that's what gets him back. And I think like that is such good Santa. And I wish the rest of the movie had that. Yeah, I agree with that. I I do think that they try to get by on Kurt Russell's charm for a lot of it. And look, he's a very charming man. If anybody else was playing this, it would not work. It would not work. Kurt Russell makes it work to the level that it could. Um, Another low point for me is really bad, pretty cheap CGI. (laughs) Rough stuff, buddy. The Yule Cat looks bad. The Yule Cat, weirdly, doesn't look like a large cat. It looks like a cat that's really close to the camera. Yeah, it looks like it looks like they did a perspective trick, like a Lord of the Rings per- perspective trick with CGI. <laughs> I think the Yule Cat is the worst bit of CGI. Like the elves aren't terrible, the reindeer aren't terrible, but the none of it is like pretty bad. None of it is good. Yeah, none of it is like actually good special effects. Like you could see that this movie was made on, you know, not the highest budget. Like, some Netflix originals seem to have, like, pretty sizable budgets. This one is is not the highest. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, they ain't spending the crown money on this bad boy. <laughs> uh, also, like, the overload of exposition I could have done without. Like, some of it is necessary to the story. Some of it is, like fully extraneous explaining things that do not need to be explained. Why would you write in that it doesn't snow at the North Pole because they put a they put a Wakanda shield over the North Pole? Like what? Why did humans hunt elves? Yeah. What does that add? What what was the deal with the Malcolm McDowell thing and like going to Turkey to go talk to the elves? Like like you don't have to bring Asia Minor into the story if you don't want to. I mean I guess that's to tie him into real life St. Nicholas, but like just some of this stuff is like explanations for things that don't need explaining. Famous, famously Turkish Kurt Russell. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, what are our final thoughts about Christmas Chronicles 2? You said I did not like the first one, which I do not remember. As I recall, you you weren't a huge. It may not be that you actively didn't like it. It's that you wanted it to be better. That yeah. you know, that's that's how I feel. You feel I definitely feel the same way about this one. I feel like there's so much here that you could. I, I think they. The worst part of this is that they probably missed their chance to really do a great Santa Claus adventure. Because I don't know a lot of franchises that get good in the third one. Look, but I I do think that this one is like curious. <laughs> yeah. I do think that like I think this one's a little better than the first one. I do too. I I I wouldn't say that I didn't enjoy this one. I did find it very boring for most it's, of it. It's too long. It's there was a this is never a good sign. There was a part of this movie where I um moved my mouse over the Netflix screen and I said a cuss word out loud cuz I was shocked to find out there were 47 minutes left in the movie. I thought we were barreling towards the end. Yeah, it it's there are several places where it's like this should end now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's too long and it gets too in like as we said it gets too in the weeds on stuff it doesn't need to. I feel like it's closer. It's closer to where it should be, and it's closer to being, like, maybe pretty good. We said this as we were watching it. Netflix, give us the next one. Yeah. Let, like, let, let us write the next one. 
like let's let's not have characters from Christmas lore that we just like use in name and make them nothing like what they are in lore. Let us do a movie about the Yule Lads. Yeah, and we'll and it's going to be you, me, and Benito. Because if we don't, if Benito doesn't get to write this with us, then I'm going to hear about it every two weeks for however many books of the Bible we have left. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll let we'll <laughs> let Benito in it. Like, like, look, let us put the Yule Lads and Tio de Nadal in in a movie. Yeah, put the poop log in there. Put the poop log in. Have Santa like Santa has to go track down all the Christmas monsters and and Kate and. I don't know. Was the boy's name Tyler? <laughs> I remember. His, I don't remember his name. We could already fading out, Matt. Yeah, we could. We could throw uh, Dead Maros in there. Yeah, the R- Russian Santa. Like we could. We could do all this stuff. Literally. Okay. So the president's plane goes down over new, over a super prison that used to be uh, Christmas City. Uh-huh. Yeah, Santa Claus, because he's the only one who can get in there with his sleigh. And they're like, "We put a bomb in your neck." <laughs> I, I thought we were going to like Metal Gear Solid Santa, which I'm into. Very close. Very close. We're just one step removed from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, but, you, you know, like, or or like we could do a movie where um, Santa has to like encounter the ghosts of past, present, and future because they went to the past in this yeah. last one. Yeah. Bring in all the weird Christmas stuff. Let's do it. Let's do it. Netflix, let us write the next one. We have everything is here where we can make it good in the third one. It could be good in the third one. It could be exactly like Fast and Furious, where the movies, well, up to a point, get better. <laughs> I guess. I guess the third one would have to be. It would take place in like actually doing a third one about Japanese Christmas would be fucking rad. It would be pretty rad. Forget that I had any qualms whatsoever. That would be amazing. We could really get to the bottom of this KFC thing. But look, like, <laughs> like week by the fifth one, it could be like a whole new series. Oh yeah, we, we just hey, just let us remake other movies with Santa Claus. Let us remake Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Let us remake Santa Claus versus the Devil, the Mexican movie. Like, let us remake the one with Dudley Moore. <laughs> Like we have so many Christmas, so many bits of Christmas lore that haven't been touched. And look, and if you want original stuff, there is a there is an amount of money that I will sell you. Atnes the anti Santa. Yeah, look, there's a Yule goat. No Yule goats yet. You know. Yeah. No snow maiden. Santa hadn't met hadn't met uh, Jack Frost yet. Eh, that always goes bad. <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Santas. So it's like every... Oh, oh yes, Santa meets all the other... He meets Father Christmas. I, d- yes. Let's do that. Yeah, I, I was actually going to say like he meets Tim Allen and... Oh, no. And, no. Uh, like, Absolutely not. No, I'm like, out. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Jet Li's The One. Netflix, I'm out on that one. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, fine. We'll do. We'll do. We'll do it your way. That's fine. Look, what I'm saying is, there's so many things we could do with this. So many things we could do with this. And Netflix, you just have to give us the reins. I would be curious to know 
Matt, who, who are the, who are our screenwriters for this? Uh, one is Chris Columbus. Okay. And the other is uh, Matt Lieberman. Okay. Who I don't know what else he's done. I would be very curious to know, like, if they have any kind of like series bible or like you know sort of thing where like here is what the deal is with our santa because you know what you could do with this santa literally go get the rights to tolkien's letters that he wrote to his children which have been collected in book form uh where because he's J.R.R. tolkien it starts with like oh you kids have been so good i can't wait to bring you toys at christmas and then like by the fifth one it's like so the army of polar bears attacked <laughs> and then i had to open up the chasm to the goblin world yeah that stuff rules we could do that we could make yeah. it the tolkien santa please just let us have it netflix this could be so good. There's so much potential. There's so much, there's so much potential. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for our holiday season movie fighters. We'll be back in January. We'll probably have to watch Cats. Probably going to have to watch Cats. Ugh. We've put it off for literally as long as we can. I mean, it, it may not be on HBO Max anymore by then. But, but that will probably, be the one thing that will save us. We'll probably have to watch it. But like I, I heard that all movies were coming to HBO Max now. Ooh, okay. The ones that aren't on Disney Plus. Yeah. We'll be back in January with something, cats or or something else, and you should be back here for it. Hey, but between now and then, have a very merry Christmas. Yeah. And we hope, even in this horrid year. Where we have money, people in 1990 can't recognize. Uh, you know, we hope that that you're going to have a good Christmas, good holiday season, a happy Hanukkah if you had Hanukkah, uh, and uh, we want you to know how much we appreciate you for listening. If you like the show and you want to contribute, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/WarrockAjax and kick in money for this show and all the other stuff we do at Clytus Media. And uh, if you don't, if you're not able to do that, leave us a review on the podcasting app of your choice. Good review for the show would help us out. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. We'll see you next year when we watch Cats. (sighs) Everybody, we love you. Keep on fighting. Keep on moving. And keep on fighting.